0: Oasis Recovery Center in Asheville, North Carolina, presents a podcast about and for people in recovery from the disease of addiction. My name is James Bias, and I am an addict. I am also your host. Grab a cup of coffee and enjoy this episode of Newly Sober.
1: Okay, so... Tell me about what your what's your because this is an important yeah. segment in the yeah. In the it show. Is. I wish
2: I still had my can. It's like a fine wine. It's it's the fine wine of recovery right here. You know what that, I'm gonna do? That was blueberry
1: because we recycled the can, which is very. You wanna pop, pop that on? I'm you? gonna do it. Good. I'm gonna Good. edit Good. it under there. Uh,
2: he has blueberry and agave, great. so those are the two cans he's offering. Um,
1: but yeah, I'm I'm drinking Focus Aid. Right, it's great. Which is phenomenal. It's got nootropics, alpha GPC, B complex, American ginseng, and acetyl L carnitine, which means nothing to me other than it's great. And it makes you feel good. <laughs> My, <but> yeah. <laughs> I gave it to a friend of mine and I was like, I, I'm not gonna bite. lie to you, don't really like the way it tastes very much, but yeah. it really like kinda makes me super Focus. sharp and yeah. cognizant. So Alright, look at us. Drinking, drinking our caffe, you know, caffeinated beverages. Yeah, and um, trying to get more focused. So, dude, what was your journey into recovery like? It's so the question's challenging, right? Because
2: when I think about it today, there's been so many different segments. Um, so, like going into the first segment, going into recovery um, at the age of 22, just coming out of serious addiction. I was at that point. I was doing oxycotton. Mm. Um, so, I was doing about 1080s a day. You know, and even to back it up further from that, like coming out of high school, uh, good grades, played golf, played basketball, drank, smoked weed, mm-hmm. never really affected me. Right. Um, you know, went to a graduation party a couple weeks out of high school uh, where we were getting very fucked up. Mm-hmm. You know, Molly, everything else. And, you know, I'm the one that's like, I can drive, you know, yeah. I got this. As we pull up to the house, there's like cop cars and everything parked out front. That incident on that one night landed me six months in jail. Wow. So instead of like going to college, doing my thing, following my passions, landed in jail. In um, jail is where I tried Oxycontin for the first time. Wow. Uh, yeah, I met a gentleman there, Rick, um, who was in for trafficking Oxycontin. Sh- sh- shout out to Rick. Yeah. Don't want to say his last name. You <laughs> right? know? Not that you'd see this. <laughs> no. you see? But yeah, so we became friends. He's actually a really cool guy. Yeah. Yeah, he had been getting Oxycontin in jail. He never stopped. But then getting out, you know, Rick put this little bug in my ear that I could make good money selling them. So um, once he got out, we reconnected, started selling Oxycontin along with other things. And, you know, it just became progressive. I'd do a little bit, you know, a little bit more, a little bit more, um, you know, until I was hooked. Yeah. So that time around... Uh doing about yeah, ten pills a day but and miserable and sick and yeah. you know my body was gross. The big thing for me that I always noticed is when I was an active addiction, all my passions were none. Yeah. Like and I'm and I'm so obsessed, like I have an obsessive personality. So like literally I'd go to bed with this little oxycontin like floating around in my head. That was the start of that. I, I got the opportunity to go to a nice treatment center. Uh got got one chance to go to a nice treatment center. You know, after that, my family just pretty much said, don't talk to me. But so I went to Narconon Vista Bay, uh, six months inpatient treatment center. I uh, got sober for the first time. I guess this is around 20. Okay. I was still so uncomfortable with myself. You know what I mean? Like even after six months of being fully sober at Narconon, so uncomfortable with myself. And and looking back on it now, like I never really built any connections. Right. Um, and that's the most important thing for my sobriety today. But, you know, long story short, coming out of Narconon, ended up working there for a little bit. Uh, got what's called gold rotted um, because I was hooking up with a female client there. So, gold rotted in Narconon words is like nobody can ever talk to me again from there. Now. Oh my gosh. So, anyway, so I went from, you know, some sobriety, feeling really good, working out every day, yep. you know, two weeks after that hooking back up with this guy, you know, getting
1: pills again and, and starting back over. Wow. Yeah. And what was the thought process like? Should I just go back to my old life? I'm feeling good, but should I just screw it? Like, like how much do you think about it? That's why yeah. I'm, you know what I'm curious? Like, because Bro, it feels like to me, when I, when I would have like, I didn't even, it didn't even occur to me that no, I was a chronic relapser. No. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Over the years, i, I like gets over for, like, a couple months and be feeling great and be like, you know what? I'm good. Now I can use again. Yeah. You know what I mean? I did have a stage of that, though, later. Okay. Um, But, no, I mean, this time around, being
2: so young, like, it was second nature. I didn't even realize this was going on. Right. Uh, I think my mom let me do some work at the office she was working at. Um, You know, stole a little cash from their safe. Um, Took my mom's Lexix to Sacramento and got a pill. Wow, sharing my story like on that side, it just progressed. Continued to get high again, got back to where I was before, and there was a ton of shenanigans too. Yeah. You know, we would go to we'd go to raves, do a bunch of Molly. Yeah, um, it wasn't just about the pill. It seemed like the pills were like the equalizer. Like I needed those to participate in life, right? right. But then life was still happening, and right. life was a party. At some point, I got down to uh, Arizona State. Uh, hung out down there for. About three years, um, three years of partying, hanging out with different people, um, wrong areas. I ended up getting jumped down in the ghetto um, of Phoenix, and they took everything I had. So, I mean, they stripped me down to my boxers, pants, shoes, went into my apartment, got everything. And uh, from there, I took a Greyhound up to Seattle where my dad was. My dad wouldn't take me to his house, but someone that worked for him. Uh, took me in. So I'm detoxing in this dude's house I don't even know. Um, and that process lasted two or three weeks. Uh, got a job washing cars. Eventually got got a job selling cars. You know, I was good at selling cars. Uh, started making good money, doing my thing. And then just the same cycle started again. Right. Like, where are the pills? Where's right. the fun? Where's the party? Right. Um, so, you know, at that point, I was a traveling car salesman, new town every week. Yeah. Um, and then it was just a new chase every week like right. what could I find uh, the weeks where I could find a bunch of shit I was so much more productive as a car salesman really because I wasn't miserable okay Right. Yeah, I was yeah. just going for it right I was you know I was an absolute disaster right um, like you know I hardly even remembered some of the towns I was in yeah um but yeah, I mean, I'd sell the shit out of the cars. Yeah, you know, because I knew that was my paycheck, and it didn't matter what I got paid—if it was like a thousand for that week or five thousand for that week—come um, next week, it was gone. Wow, I'd yeah. find a way.
1: Yeah,
2: it uh, just continued kind of this way for a while. Uh, eventually, I called my mom again, asking her for help. At this point, my mom did something super healthy. She was like, "You know, um, fuck off." Like, we don't want to, don't call me anymore.
1: Wow. I'm going to, I'm going to
2: help you get down to Arizona, um, by getting you a plane ticket, but don't call me. Yeah. Um, down in Prescott, Arizona was the first time I found like connections with guys in recovery. Yeah. And for me, that was like, I guess that was the first time ever, um, to where I felt like, okay, I I definitely like sobriety. Yeah. Like I feel clean, feel sober. Um, So, yeah, I mean, it was just the lights came on a little bit. I got into a really good sober living house. They were brutal. You know, at first I had to stay in a tent outside before they voted for me to get in. Wow. Yeah. We can't do that anymore. (laughs) These kids have it so (laughs) good. These kids do have it so good. Yeah. No, I had had a, you know, and I had my, I had a backpack at the time. Um, I was in shorts and uh, it was in the winter, Prescott, Arizona, so it was snowing. Um, and these guys in this house, man, helped me piece it all together. You know, and I, I was persistent. I, I didn't have transportation, anything like that. The closest thing I could walk to was a grocery store. Yeah. So I went there seven days in a row. The big thing at this house was you have to have a job in two weeks. unless so you're out. I went there seven days in a row. You know, every day they told me we don't have anything open. Um, went on the eighth day and I'm like, man, I'll do anything. And the guy finally said, okay, you know, we'll give you a job. Uh you can start by washing the toilets. I said, Great. You know, when can I start? He's like, Why ain't you coming tomorrow? I'm like, I'm free now too. You know, so yeah. they hired me and um yeah, then from there like I got a worked heavy program in the AA at mm-hmm. that time. Like I was captain AA mm-hmm. uh sponsoring sponsoring guys, my whole community was AA. Um making at least four or five meetings a week and it wasn't like a drag like these are my people at that point you mm-hmm, know mm-hmm. super connected with them and uh, yeah and then my life just progressed man I met my wife that we're still married today in, in Prescott um and then just continued to get better jobs so from there got my first car uh, again in sobriety which was just a really beat down thousand dollar car with the bumper hanging off but it was an eclipse you remember those cars yes yeah so it could have been cool, yeah. But the thing was like it had four, some guts, yeah.
1: The thing was like four toned, okay. And every
2: time I drove it, <laughs> I had to fill it up with water, you know.
1: <laughs> that's awesome, though. Yeah. It's character building. It's character building, you know. But
2: uh, but that's the car. Like after I got that car, I could get a better job, yeah. Right. So I saved up for that car, um, and then eventually I got a job at Sears selling appliances, right. And all while like I'm working. A, the only way i know how to work recovery at this time right and at this time of my life the only way i know how to work it was through aa okay um you know it's all that i found yeah uh, the guys were beautiful for lack of better words like yeah. we it, it's almost like in the age group we're in i still talk to a lot of them today um but the age group that we were in it's almost like we all felt like we got a second chance to grow up again yeah we were just being kids Did extremely well at Sears selling appliances. So I got a job offer in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, like one of their marquee stores. Um, And at this time, you know, Bonnie and I had our first child on the way. So I'm thinking, okay, I got to make some money, you Mm -hmm. know, so we make that move. Um, And the biggest thing for me in that move is the connections were gone. Like my hookups with the guys, the community. Yep, Stay in touch with some of them, but... It's hard when you leave, went to a couple meetings in Pittsburgh and it just didn't feel the same. So, yeah, I mean, you know, I got a little bit of a taste of success for the first time. You know, I was making like, I don't know, 55, 60,000 a year at Sears. And for me, that was a ton of money at the time. So I'm thinking, you know, I I can have a drink. Right. You know, Uh, I'm not, of course, I'm not even interested in pills. Of course. But, uh. I deserve this. Right, And yeah. I'm a father too. Oh, yeah. I got things to celebrate. <laughs> so
1: <laughs> Oh my God. you, know, you so you, insane. You, you know right? the story. From yeah, there, but bro. that's so insane. Yeah. really yeah. It's a crazy. Mean? Yeah.
2: Well, but just a spiral. And then eventually I got a job opportunity to come to Asheville. We stayed in Pittsburgh one year. Bonnie hated it there. Oh, I shouldn't say she hated it, but it wasn't uh, where she wanted to be. She also had no friends. Mm. So when I got uh, a job offer here in Asheville a uh, good job offer uh, to work for a wireless internet company um, that Bonnie's dad owns. Uh, we took that move out here and kind of started anew. Um, and then like at this point, I was so far removed from like recovery and different things. Um, I was seeking community, so I got connected with a different community called the Baha'i Faith. And for a long time, man, that worked. You know what I mean? Like, that was the connection I needed. I was here in Asheville. I got reintegrated with golf, basketball, um, getting back in the gym. Like, Asheville was healthy for me, you know? Um, but then I, you know, I went down that same road. Like, I got did really great at Skyrunner, helped them build the company from something very small to something huge. I got compensated really well along the way. Uh, We had another baby, Mm -hmm. and then you know, here I am again. Like, oh, I have a tiny bit of anxiety. You know, what do normal people do with anxiety? Uh, They go drink. Well, they go to the doctor, right? Okay. And they get a little Xanax or a little Valium. So that's how it started, you know. And then innocuous.
1: Yeah, yeah. Simple, right? It's a script. I mean, it it can't be bad for me
0: because the doctor gave it to me.
2: Yeah, right. Um, And then also, I have ADD. Right, I have a hard time focusing um so go back to the doctor get a little Adderall yeah you know so you have those two things going and uh I was able to keep it together for a good period of time but then you know eventually it's like well I can just order whatever I want online you know let's just cut to the chase so I got hooked back on Roxy's at that point so then that was kind of my medicine those those three combined um and then it just got terrible yeah, real, real bad. Real fast. Real fast. And, uh, you know, when you have a family, it's much different. Like, getting into... If you can sustain sobriety um, as a single individual and then build up your sobriety strong enough and then start a family, that's the way to go. Right. Because it's not just you anymore.
1: No, you're putting your family through it, too. Yeah. yeah.
2: Putting everyone through it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, so we had some really good times before the, you know, addiction got too bad. But, I mean, long story short, like, we had to sell our family house. Um, family was homeless, you know. Bonnie was able, and this is when I'm getting sober. It's just skipping through a lot of the minutiae. Um, you know, Bonnie was able to find a friend that lent us their parents B&B for, uh, for a month. And this is where I kicked that. You know, I didn't have any means. Like I'd max out all my credit cards, eighty, eighty-five thousand dollars in debt. Um, happened to sell our family house that we built. You know, yeah. it was a nice family home. Um, and then stay in this little in between spot while we put everything in storage. And I and I kicked, man. I kicked off a similar dose. I was taking as a young guy. Yeah. I was on you know, anywhere from 10 to 15 of those Roxy 30s a day, you know, so I got down, I guess, to, you know, about 150, 160 pounds, um, and I just really laid on the couch for like two weeks. Wow. Uh, You know, through this process, Bonnie was kind of a badass. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Handle shit, bro. I mean, she, she had a cleaning gig, you know, to keep us afloat, to give us some food, um, and then somehow she managed to get us into a little two bedroom apartment um you know so we did that and two kids two bedrooms good god man yeah what a, what
1: a fucking saint you know? what a saint
2: i mean she wanted to leave me for sure right. like there were she had one conversation and you rightfully show, rightfully so right I have no moral compass, bro, like, when I'm getting high. Yeah, so no was, one does. Yeah, I was not a good partner. You can paint the picture, bro. I mean, yeah. it just it wasn't pretty. I wasn't right to her or the kids.
1: Right. So, so then, I, I'm always interested in this, like, because you and I are both chronic relapsers, yeah. unbeknownst to us while we're in the flow For of, sure. like, just re-entering that madness. Mm-hmm. Um but like, what was different this time around? You know, like it's it's it is really the 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 difference between hitting a rock bottom, yeah, or or not, right? Because to a certain degree, right? I think You're like, so. I mean, like you but have to how sell many your rock home. bottoms. Have you hit, bro? I know, but there, and, and that's the thing. Because I've like heard every
2: is, time was rock bottom.
1: Yeah, every time was rock bottom. But like. But the spiritual bottom is the worst oh, one, yeah, yeah. right? Yeah. Because like you had to sell your family home. Yeah. you know, you 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 were basically about to lose your family. Yeah. you know, your your wife is talking about I don't want to be with you anymore, and you're feeling... and that was a
2: guarantee. She was like, right. you know, if you can't get sober, it's over. Right, for sure. fair enough. Happened.
1: Yeah, right. For me, this last go around, like I had on paper quite quite a bit more than I've ever had before. Yeah. you know, I had a fiance, I had a Netflix show. Yeah. I had a record deal. Killing it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I had all of this stuff. And for some reason, my impulse was to drink myself to death over it, you yeah. know? And I ended up for the umpteenth time in the fetal position thinking about killing myself. For the umpteenth thumb because yeah. that's where it always ends on, on a long enough timeline. I have all of the results oh, yeah. in. The results are in and on a long enough timeline. I omitted.
2: Like every single time uh, I would go on a hiatus where I drank or used too much and tried to kill myself. Right. Every fucking time. Hiatus. Yeah.
1: You know what? I'm going to take a little sabbatical. Yeah. And I can re. Yeah. I'm going to drive this. my car off a cliff. You know what I mean? Right. And then drive to the cliff but somehow not drive it off. You know? Yeah. Because we don't want to die. And for whatever reason, that's a really powerful realization right? Yeah. Cuz that's I think where it starts when when you get down to the bottom, the very bottom, and you finally make peace with the fact that you have a serious problem. You look at yourself and you go, "Okay, I'm going to die if I don't stop."
2: Yeah.
1: I don't want to die. Oh, that I don't know why that's news to me, but I don't want to die. Right. It was a really powerful realization for me, and that's when it all started this last go around, you know? Yeah. And I've been clean for like 3 years now, a little over 3 years. And I just remember, you know, that being a life or death decision finally, yeah. you know, it really clicked for me that this, this was going to kill me and I was going to die if I didn't stop. Yeah. If, it, if, and if it didn't then, kill me, I was going to kill myself. Yeah.
2: For you know? Sure. Yeah. And I was open to it. I mean, I, I actively tried to kill myself uh, a couple of times. I mean, one time, super, super lucky, you know, just took a bunch of pills just after my grandmother passed away. Um, and I snuck back into her condo where she stayed, took a bunch of pills, like you know, in her. 50, 60 pills. Wow. Um, and then somehow my mom randomly stopped by. Mm. You know what I mean? When I'm blue and foaming out of the mouth, I don't remember any of it. Wow. All I remember is waking up in the hospital with the catheter and feeling like they just flushed me with charcoal. Cause wow. that's what they did. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, I've definitely been suicidal yeah. for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, which is crazy though, right? Yes. That's why when I, when I think of it, it's because life's beautiful. Like I love it today. Um, but yeah, I mean, I've definitely been that low and that's honestly why I love what I, what I do now, because when I see someone come in and we get to work with them, I've never had judgment on one client that we've had. Awesome. Never one time. Yeah. And we've had some clients.
1: Oh yeah. (laughs) I've been there for some of them. I know. Yeah. Um, Just for a little backstory, for you know, if you're confused about our relationship, I worked for John at his, uh, the recovery center that he started, which is called Oasis, and it's a beautiful recovery center here in Asheville, mm-hmm. helping lots of people get clean and sober. Yep,
2: yeah. And when did you start that? So we got started in 2018 with Oasis Recovery Centers, and uh, it's been a whirlwind ever since, man. And and really, like one of my missions in starting the treatment center. Um, was to build a support group um, for all the staff. Like, make this a place to where the staff could feel connections. Like, similar to uh, the connections that I felt back when I first got in recovery, right? With yeah. the, these group of guys. Um, and then beyond that, like, we've always had ambition to build a big network. Um, you know, so we, we definitely are working on building a national brand, continuing to expand. Um, but, yeah, I mean, for the most part, it worked. Like, our culture is on point. Yeah. And, and my theory on that was, like, if the culture's on point, well, then the clients are going to feel that. Yeah. Right? But if the staff's miserable coming to work... Right. Um, and, and it's a work in progress. You know what I mean? It's, it's never going to be perfect, but...
1: It was pretty close to perfect, to be honest with you. In a lot of I ways, you that. know,
2: like I just loved. It's, it's high burnout though
1: still, you know, and that's some things to work to look at. I loved working with the staff there, though. I just like mm-hmm. I, I really enjoyed every person that you ended up hiring. Like all of those, fantastic, fantastic group of people to yeah to be on staff with, and I, and I had not experienced, other than like being because I'm you know I've been in a bunch of like plays and musicals and stuff that's a great that's an epic culture that's uh, sure. you guys are all doing your passion yeah Yeah. but it felt similar to that like it felt like we were all you know i think that we all like had that mission statement firmly in place in our hearts like everybody knew what we're doing is is a good thing like we should be here you know what i mean like it felt it felt right it was good no that's awesome yeah and okay so here's here's the big question that i like to ask Um, is what is, you know, what what did you fall in love with in new sobriety? Mm.
2: I would say for at least the first six to eight months of my sobriety, part of me felt more connected with source energy, the universe, all this stuff, right? Because you're sober for the first time in a while. Uh, But then the other part of me uh, still hated myself. Yeah, Like still miserable, Yeah, very depressed. Um, And I think going through the way I got sober this time, was good for me. No support. Just straight natural kick. You know what I mean? No vitamins or anything. Just just do it. Um, to have that kind of stretched out process was good for me. Th- things that I've fallen in love with after that initial period. Yeah. To where you're just kind of like. Chin climbing. down. Yeah. Swinging. Yeah. Um, everything, man. Like, you know, just getting out. First of all, family. Right? Spending more time with the kids. Awesome. Um, just got done going to a father daughter dance with my 10 year old Haley. Just, just I, recently. Yeah. It was two weeks ago or something. Nice. And it's like to be able to do these things and, uh, and feel good about it, It's incredible. Yeah. Like getting the realization back that life is, uh, like this magical infinite thing. Yeah. You know, and we're just simply here to be a part of it, to yeah. infuse our energy, to help where we can, um, to love. Yeah, and and to create, right? So, I mean, that's one thing. And then, you know, building the team at Oasis is huge. And how we operate there is great for me that we're not 12-step based, right? Because this time around, I did get back into NA here. Mm -hmm. um, And I would say it helped for a short period of time. But it never really felt like my community. Okay. I always kind of felt like an outcast. um, And... Maybe it's just I never got connected with the right people. I think in a AA, these things are absolutely essential for a lot of people. Yeah. And I think what they produce is that connection. Yeah. Right. And I think that connection is super important. Yeah. Um, But what we try to do at Oasis is, if that's their connection, get them connected with it. Or if they're going to be more passionate about something else, get them connected with that.
1: Yeah. Give them the options. Yeah. Yeah, I availed myself of a 12-step program, and I'm still an active member of it, and I find that completely essential to my recovery. Love it. But I love that there's not a one-size-fits-all situation in recovery, that there are options for people. Um, But I would suggest anybody who's newly sobered, like, try all of it, you know what I mean? Try it all and see what's sticking for you, because, you know, it might be be a 12-step thing, it might be, you know, we have uh, recovery dharma now, which is like a Buddhist... Thing we have, yep. what smart
2: recovery, smart recovery, yeah, and then beyond that, like try to remember what you were passionate about before, yeah. Like for me, when I think about the different dynamics at work, I have my golf community, yeah, I'm huge into golf, I'm sure you have your music community, yep, yep. Um, I have my basketball community as well, great. Pre-COVID, too, I was doing hot yoga three times a week, mm. um, you know, just finding these different little connections, um. And then showing up uh, authentically, right? So showing up as your real self yeah. within these communities. Yep. You know, if you're struggling, speak with someone. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I completely agree with you, James. I mean, if you're new into sobriety and you have no options, like I had no options, go to a meeting. Yeah. They're free. Yep. Uh, and the and you know the connections there.
1: Yeah, and so, it's real, right? Yeah, it is real. Real connections. Do you um? Did you get into hot yoga? Uh, in sobriety, is that or is that something yeah. you did before? No, I was in sobriety. Okay, right on. Yeah, so you know what that, that was first... a, that was a new addition. Right on. Yeah, and then golf—you had already kind of been into golf before. Then. Yeah,
2: I mean, I was—I've been playing golf since I was seven. Okay, you know, but it's one of those things that just went away. Yeah, you know, completely. Oh, I
1: know. Trust me, man. Like I used to, when I was in um, in middle school and high school, I wrestled. Yeah, which is like. You don't really do that very much as an adult, really. You know what I mean? But I got into the martial arts. Like I had done karate when I was real little. Um, not real little, but like, you know, right before middle school, I think. And then in middle school and high school was wrestling. So I was kind of in into the martial arts. Mm-hmm. And my wrestling coach in high school said, you can't do the plays and wrestling. You got to pick next year. Really? Which was a huge bummer. And I was oh. like, well, clearly I'm going to pick acting. <clears throat> you know what I mean? Like it's it was just so much more... Like if I had to pick one, I was fulfilling. I was gonna pick yeah. um, performing because it's just in my blood. That's just like what I was born to do. I think, yeah. and yeah. Um, but him telling me that I couldn't do that anymore was like this weird pivotal, like fork in the road. And when I got into uh, sobriety, you know I'm sober, and I just I'm like you know I really want to get back into martial arts. I want to take kung fu. So I got I started taking kung fu. Is this in Asheville here? No, this is actually in, okay. in in LA. But there's actually a guy who teaches the form of kung fu that I studied in LA here in Asheville. And I'm thinking about like getting back into kung fu. Nice man. But so I, I started working at this jujitsu gym where I taught this exercise class. This is all stuff that happened in sobriety. Yeah. You know what I mean? I was like, it's My beautiful friend. too. I know it's Some crazy. Random stuff that happens. You just say yes. You have to let. It ha- you have to say yes. You have to let it happen. You just kind of have to start saying yes to stuff because I would say no to almost like anything that wasn't if there wasn't going to be alcohol there, yep. or drugs or something. I w- I probably wasn't going to do it very like without being like I got to go at a certain yeah. point. You know what I mean? It's interesting though because. You were still doing the
2: thing that really feeds your soul. You were still doing music, but you weren't doing like all the little ancillaries, right? That
1: also feed your soul. Yeah. I don't know what that's about. Well, I mean, you know, I've actually been critiqued on this by a friend of mine who said, like, we went to Burning Man together and he goes, You know, I feel bad because like I just came here as me and you came here as like a musician. And I was like, You don't understand like my. Like me playing music is inextricable from who I am right. at this point. Like I just I don't go anywhere as not a musician. That is who I am. That's kind of beautiful though, man. Like I I don't know if I have a passion to that extreme. I think the closest
2: thing to it is golf, right? But with me and addiction, like it just goes away. Yeah, I can't do it. I can't fucking see the ball. It's frustrating. Right. You know what I mean.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, you have to be very single single minded when you're golfing. Yeah. You know? Very like like a, a focused. Yeah.
2: Yeah, it's it's almost like meditating, right? Yeah, Um, but I guess music you can still just shred because I mean we see it over and over again, you know. And you know
1: what, man? And it's such BS too because I'm such a better musician now than I I was. But at the time, I thought that like that stuff was making me better because I was so in. I idolized like you know like um, Jim Morrison and and Jimi Hendrix and all these people that sacrificed their mind for for their artistry and yeah. all of that stuff like they were probably this close to being one of us they were probably oh, this guaranteed. close to like to like turning the corner and being like you know what i'm on some next level shit i'm gonna i'm gonna get sober now and and try music from that angle and who knows what they would have come up with that's mm. the thing it's sad it like robs it robs us yeah the addiction robs us i mean we i mean we just lost someone recently well all harrison yeah. you know and he was so yeah, that, young that one was tough man this has been the toughest one I've ever experienced yeah, because
2: uh, yeah you had a great relationship with him but uh, I mean he just had so much to give to life so much potential S- so enjoyable to be around uh, confident with himself beautiful too what a beautiful yeah, man. man beautiful gorgeous man. no but I mean we lost we lost someone that was you know uh, had a huge future that's all I can say we don't know what his future would have been um, but if you looked at me at his age, when he passed away, no one would have knew what my future would have been. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like he had a huge future and we've lost that to addiction. It's sad, man.
1: Yeah. And that's happening all the time. You know, I mean, he's, he's like the, the, the fifth person I think this year, because I didn't work in recovery before I came here mm-hmm. and worked for you. Yeah. You know, but you I know. know you're coming back at some point. I'm I'm still working for you. You don't you don't know oh, this. Oh, yes, so you are. Yeah, I'm I'm a life yeah. coach for That's right. for you guys. Yep. But this is this year I've lost um he was like the third person I was like pretty close to yeah. of the of of the people that I've lost, but then two people that I, you know, I wasn't necessarily as close with, they they passed away as well. And they were all very young and it's really tragic every time. Yeah. But um Yeah, man, so I just wanted to create this thing so that people can see that they have options. There's not necessarily like a one-size-fits-all per se that, that, you know, sobriety doesn't have to suck. I mean, for you, you know... You fell back in love with your family, mm-hmm. you know you got clear headed, you fell back in love with golf. You started a very successful recovery center that's growing, and yep. potentially will be a national brand that's going to count help countless people,
0: even yeah, if you help goal. one
1: person in recovery, who knows how many people they're going to help and, yeah, then... and that and that's 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 our exact thought process, right because let's say we get to the
2: point to where we do have a thousand beds, you know, and we got to make sure it's healthy. It it is a business. You have to pay your employees. You have to pay your insurance, your rent. So you can't just build, build, build. But if we build healthy and let's say we get to a thousand beds and we have a thousand clients and we touch those clients in some sort of way to help them on a new path, um, then they're going to go back. So we'll essentially have the opportunity to start a movement. Yeah. Right. And, uh, and keeping the essence of what we currently have as we grow is going to be crucial. Yeah. Um, because not only are we empowering the staff members that it requires to have that many clients. Yep. But then also we're putting these wonderful people back out into society. Hopefully, you know, a little bit better than before they came. Yeah. But then at that point, like they still got to put in the work. Yes. I'm a firm believer that when Harrison came through our program, you know, and towards the end of his stay. He was in very very good shape. Yep. Probably better than he ever been. Yeah. And I don't know what happened, you know, with that particular example because on social media it looked like he was killing it. Yeah. So I didn't even think to reach out to him. Yeah. You know, but social media can be a lie. So
1: Well, the other thing is this, like he, you know, with with the opiates and the fentanyl and stuff that's going around right yeah. now, it could it could happen anytime people are overdosing constantly. Yeah. yeah. So you and I both know that when you your your story highlights this really well. You were doing well. You were yeah. killing it, and that's when it was time to like maybe take a maybe little I, dab. Yeah. Yeah. You take a little dab of fucking fentanyl, You're your dab. heart might stop. Yeah. And 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 there's a really, really high chance that it will stop. Yeah, the games
2: changed, man. Harrison
1: was the strongest he's ever been in his life, like three, four days before he died. Yeah. The day he died, he was probably stronger than he had ever been in his entire life. You I saw him. Uh, beating his uh, PR on the deadlift he was stronger than he had ever been in his entire life the day he died
2: that's crazy man
1: yeah yeah so it's no joke and like it's really really important that that people and one of the things that 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 I want to touch on too is that you said that first six eight months Mm. was a struggle right okay so just so we know that's what we're dealing with Chin down, keep swinging, yeah you have it's the fight for your life is really what it is, and I heard someone talk about how you know they said, I don't like how people personify addiction and turn it into this. You know, um, anthropomorph they anthropomorphize it and turn it into a creature that is hell bent on your destruction. Whether or not it is that, mm-hmm. it's very much like that. So it doesn't matter. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I feel you. It might as well be that. If, yeah, sure. if it's not, it yeah, might even be. It I don't might know. Be. Who knows? You know, like depends it, on what realm we're talking about. And ultimately, like. If my mind and I'm a pretty smart guy I'm just gonna throw that I out agree. there you know if my mind turns against me, I'm screwed because this is yeah, a pretty this is a pretty powerful tool yeah. a terrible master and a, t- a terrific tool yeah but if it turns against me and becomes my master, I'm screwed because yeah. it it wants to feel good yeah prevent itself from feeling pain yeah and it wants to be famous. And it doesn't care how it gets what it wants. It wants what it wants. And yeah. my, my brain will do nasty, nasty stuff if I don't have a moral compass, if I don't practice a spiritual path, if I don't stay connected to people who are going to keep me accountable. You know what I yeah. mean? All of that stuff's really, really essential. And I found all of that in recovery.
2: Absolutely. And, and I think now, like, you know, we, we both got, we have both went through these stretches. For me, it's like, get sober, three years fail, get sober, three years fail. Thinking about the first time coming through sobriety, like what we had back then was AA. In that time, we didn't even really have NA, right? So Mm -hmm. we had AA. Yeah. And then just connections with your friends and stuff. Now we live in this beautiful time uh, of sobriety to where, uh, you know, if you reach out to the right people, we can get you connected with whatever you want. You know, like there's so many different modalities to practice. Um, but for me, it's like figuring out who you are at the core and what's going to make you happy. Yeah. And then getting down that path. Yeah. Because the sooner that you get to the things that you're passionate about, you know, the sooner that you're going to start to feel better. Yeah. And you almost don't notice it though, right? It's like you wake up one day, oh, I feel a little bit better. You know, just continue that grind yeah. until all of a sudden you like go through a week and you're like, man, that whole week I felt good. Yeah. You know, then all of a sudden you have two weeks, feel good. Oh, but then you have a day you don't feel so good. But then you have three weeks you feel good. Yeah. It's just crazy how it all comes
1: together. I have seasonal depression though. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So like this, this winter was like, it was a little sad, you know, and, but I have the wherewithal in sobriety to know that it's coming and to know that like, oh, it's just that time again. Whereas in the past, I'd be like, this is it. This is how I'm going to feel forever because I had no clarity.
2: What part of that do you think is maturity? And what
1: part of that do you think is sobriety? I think it's probably a healthy mix of both. Yeah. You know, I mean, I'm getting ma- more mature, but I wouldn't have the chance to mature if I died. No, for sure. You know what I mean? For sure. Yeah. So really, I owe it all to you know, I owe I owe it all to the to the community, really, and to my uh, to my HP. That's right. What up, big dog. Get him. He's got you. <laughs> do you Do you believe in God?
2: Absolutely. I mean, you know. I would have a hard time putting a definition on yeah, God. Yeah. No, me too. Um, I don't think it's a white guy in the sky. Guaranteed not. No. Well, I can't get it. Might be a black anything. lady. Yeah. Could be Vern, you know.
1: I think she's actually...
2: Yeah, she might be. God incarnate yeah. for sure. Um, but no, I, t- I totally believe in God. Um, and you know, however that looks, I think it's not meant for us to grasp. Yeah. I've explored down multiple pipes. You know, I mentioned the Baha'i Faith. When I was young, I was in, you know, Christian Academy school. Um, And I think this is my honest opinion. I know we're in the South. I hope I don't make people mad. But I do think that uh, religion in general sometimes gets it wrong. Mm -hmm. Um, I feel like every religion in their own essence is right. Mm -hmm. Um, If they're helping people get connected, you know, helping people feel part of a community. Um, because I feel like there's a little essence of God in all of us that yeah. goes away uh, when we're getting higher using. Yeah. Or at least uh, gets doled out. You yeah. Know? But I don't know. So, yeah, I definitely believe in God. Um, you know, I try to um, follow all the signs I can get, you Me know, too. Yeah. Uh, from the universe and from God. Yeah.
1: I think a friend of mine once in Los Angeles, we were on a smoke break at work at a restaurant, very godless setting, (laughs) it felt like to me, but he, we were talking about God, you know, and he was like, you know, all rivers lead to the ocean, all rivers lead to the ocean, and that really stuck with me, you know, that really kind of uh, felt true, you know, Mm -hmm. it it felt like I was hearing something important and true, and like you said, like, uh, in all of these religions, there's a kernel of truth, you know, and I think, we could stop arguing about what God's name is, as if any of us knows for sure, and and start going. Wait, hold on a second. So God's love for you, okay, interesting. Yeah, for that's interesting. You know, and like have like a, you know, we we call God this. You call God that. Interesting. I mean, it's yeah. like yeah, yeah. who knows, really. In, uh, I, I don't pretend to know, but I do. Uh, get signs from time to time, and I, I do. Same. I do have a higher power that I've learned to um, turn my will over to on a daily basis, and say, "Hey, listen, my way wasn't working. Let's try it a different way." Yeah. Thank you. I'm sorry. I love you. You know. Yeah.
2: Yeah, and it's beautiful when you get the signs. Yeah. Because all you got to do is follow. Yeah. You got to say yes. Yeah. And sometimes they just smack you right on the head. so Because oh, yeah. sometimes you got to say no. Oh yeah. And the sign
1: is to say no. Right. You know. And that's. Saying no to yes, yeah, exactly. Or saying yes to no, rather. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because you you're thinking about if I say no to this, I'm 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 aligning myself with the truth and beauty and love. So I'm saying yes to all of that by saying no to this thing. Yeah. You know.
2: Yeah, and, and I think it correlates back with the work we do on a daily basis, right? So like you're in AA uh, or NA, right? You practice, so you practice those principles on a daily basis. I'm not active in those communities, but on a daily basis, when I'm practicing my meditation, when I'm doing my yoga, when I'm following my passions, that's me regenerating my soul right So then I feel more connected with my God yeah um, when I'm t- you know doing the principles yeah that I've kind of you know put together is what I feel is the best for my sobriety and my connection
1: yeah. I love it i think I think that's a good place to leave off. what do you think one word to the to the newly sober cat out there who's who's like, I think this is gonna suck you know like what would you say to that person? Just one word no, not one word like okay a quick a a quick sentiment
2: yeah, I mean uh perseverance would would be the word um and that you have no clue what your future could be until you start um and from what I've seen from everyone that has got sober around me, it's worth it. Um, you, know, you do not have to be miserable anymore. Uh, there's always help, um, so just reach out. I mean, if you're even borderline thinking about getting help, maybe you think your addiction is not that bad, um, I just guarantee life could be better without substance.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of Newly Sober. Follow us, like us, share us. All of the podcast episodes are available in video format on YouTube at youtube.com slash James Bias. That's B-Y-O-U-S. If you or a loved one are struggling with the disease of addiction, please consider going to the Oasis Recovery Center website, or-nc.com, to start your journey of recovery today.